0: appreciate that, Christian. Okay, let me see. What Bible passage are we going to start off with? Let me see. Hmm. Maybe turn to John chapter 17 if you've got your Bibles right there and you want to look at it. Although I have them all in the notes right there, but <clears throat> Father, we come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, I ask you, for living understanding i ask you for inspiration from your heart abba father of glory when you look down at this spiritual family we thank you for your fatherhood your leadership your care over us we ask you to help us and empower us in the name of jesus amen well we've crossed a line in human history in this last year. It's a pretty dramatic statement, but I believe it's an accurate statement. I'm very alerted, sobered, but very confident that this will be the greatest hour for the body of Christ coming in the years ahead. I believe the most challenging hour, but the greatest hour. Paragraph A, I see the roaring 20s. I'm using the term from 100 years ago, as the most dramatic and significant transitional decade in human history up to that time. I believe more will happen in the next 10 years that transition the planet to position it for the coming of the Lord than any time in history. I'm gonna say that again. I see it as the most dramatic, significant, transitional decade, a whole 10-year period not that I'm limiting it to exactly 10 years. This is a time to be alert. This is a time to have our spirit alive. This is a time to be saying yes to the Lord. It's a horrible time for compromise. To have a dull spirit. I mean, every time is. But this is really a bad one to where we lose our sense of direction. I've been reviewing our prophetic history. Most of you know what I mean by that, but some that are new here, 1983 and 1984 particularly, but not only those two years, about 10 very dramatic things happened supernaturally and prophetic events, and a few years after that and since then as well, but that, there was a cluster of them back then. And I've told uh, some of the stories, every few years, I take eight or nine sessions and just tell stories for eight or nine hours in different one-hour sessions of the things the Holy Spirit has said, how God has spoken audibly a few times, angels have appeared a few times. And as I review it, my heart is so grateful. And I want to say that I am committed to seeing all of it come to pass and walking in all of it all the days of my life. I love the vision God has given this family. I love the values. I love the messaging. I love the people. And I say this no corniness at all. This is the, I would rather be no place on the earth besides here. And I plan to be here all my days. And I'm thinking for such a time as this, Lord, we're here together. But as 2020 took all of us by surprise, the radical changes. 2021 will be, I believe, far more radical. I'm going to actually keep the word far in there. And then throughout the 20s, we're going to see more and more unfolding. I've spent a lot of time just in the last few weeks, well, all year, but thinking over our next 10 or 20 years, saying, Lord, give hints, give whispers, give insights. Not just for us, but even in our relationship with many other ministries. I've been blessed to have meaningful friendships with ministry leaders all around the world. And many of you have as well. But we're truly connected to many, many different groups. Different denominations, different uh, non-denominational groups, mission organizations. I don't care what the sign on their building says. They love Jesus and they're going hard and the Lord connects us. I want to go with them. I want to remind you of a word that I received in October 1982. It was 38 years ago. Now, I hate to run through this fast, but I'm going to. Normally, I take 10 or 15 minutes to explain how dramatic what happened on that day was in September 1982. But I'm just going to reference it instead of tell the whole story. It's the most dramatic encounter I've had with the Lord where I was awake and the fear of God came upon me as an experience, not just the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I was trembling. It's happened one time in my life, 38 years ago. And it was a a month or two before we moved to Kansas City to start the new young adult church that we started later on in 1982. The Lord said this, I'm going to change." the understanding and expression of Christianity in the earth in one generation. And there were, there's more to it than that. But I remember my spirit trembled. It was not, it was, it was not an enjoyable moment because my spirit was trembling. God says, I am going to change. The way I'm going to add the, the interpretation, the way unbelievers understand the church. Because in the last decades, most unbelievers look at the church and it doesn't disturb them. It's not very relevant. It doesn't threaten them. They don't really pay that much attention to it. That's going to change. But the phrase I want to cap- capture is the second one. I'm going to change the expression. The way they express their life together. And over 38 years, I've shared this testimony many times in many places And so, the most natural question is, in what ways will the expression, the way we live our life together be changed? And I give the same answer for many years. I don't know. (laughs) That's the answer I typically give. I know in the broad sense, there'll be a prayer culture. People will walk out the Sermon on the Mount lifestyles. There'll be a spirit of power. But what it looks like, I could never guess. But I believe we're in an hour right now, 2021, coming up in a couple days, where we need to be asking very intentionally how it's going to be expressed differently, spiritually, relationally, organizationally, how we meet, how the power of God ministers uh, in us and through us and there's so many different creative expressions that we've never understood or we've never thought of well i believe in the next couple years there's going to be an escalation of the trouble but i believe an escalation of the presence of god as well and it's setting the stage for epic change in the body of christ epic change Again, I believe it will be the most challenging time in the flesh, but the most glorious time in the spirit. Well, before we look at some of the resistance and the hostility and the pressure that will come, I'd like to look at paragraph C. I just put a couple verses there. I could have put 10 more. Paragraph C, I want us to have clearly in front of us these ideas. The main idea is victory is totally assured for the body of Christ. That's the main idea. There will be resistance. There will be those trying to entrap us. There will be people thrown in prison and martyred. They will be blocking, kings and rulers will be blocking the growth and the free life of the church in every way they can, using every means they can. And to some, it will be so overwhelming and daunting, they will just, their hearts will just cave in in fear. Jesus said it in Luke 21. They'll cave into fear. But I want to assure you, in every resistance that's brought against the end time church, every... Type of entrapment because they're gonna try to entrap the body of Christ in lawsuits to, to take their resources, take seize their property, tie them up in courts and all their time and their money, all these kinds of things. The Lord says, I've got an answer for every one of them. Because look, Revelation 19 the end time church ends up as a prepared bride. It works. Whatever the resistance is, the Lord is whispering. He's going to be whispering to people, and more than whispering as well, all over the earth for all kinds of creative ways to move forward. It works. It really does work. Paragraph C, the greatest corporate miracle in human history. I mean, the greatest miracle is God became a man and came to the earth. I mean, there's nothing like that. So corporate meaning with a whole bunch of folks. The greatest corporate miracle in history is the transformation of the end time church. At the end of the age where hundreds of millions are walking in compromise. There are millions going hard after the Lord now, tens of millions. But there's hundreds of millions that really call on the name of the Lord But they're settled into compromise and spiritual dullness. The Lord says, "I'm coming after your heart." And the enemy is raising up like a flood and a rage. And the Lord says, "I've got a way. Every single one of his schemes, I've got a way. Because my church will be a mature family, walking in deep love." Not just locally in congregations, but even internationally connecting one to another across the earth. And the church will be as a prepared bride walking in the first commandment. Well, John saw that in Revelation 19, but Jesus prayed it about 60 years before John saw it. I want you to just look at one of these little parts of that prayer in John 17. And this has not been fulfilled, but just a little bit in the book of Acts for just a short season. It had a momentary fulfillment in the book of Acts, just a little partial for a moment. It didn't last long. But it was a down payment in the human experience. Here's what Jesus said. He's talking to the Father. John 17, 22. Father, the glory you gave me, I'm going to release it on them. And it's going to have such a transformative impact that these weak and broken people are going to walk in a unity that reflects the unity you and I, Father, have with each other. Like, what? I mean, walking in unity, a lot of folks talk about that, but we're not talking about a little bit of unity, you know, where a bunch of churches get together and have a citywide outreach together, and we had unity I like that. That's, I really like that. Jesus said, no, Father, I'm going to release a spirit of glory on them. And they're going to walk in a unity that reflects the unity you and I have. Like This is inconceivable to the mind, really. That's going to be the outpouring of glory. And when that happens, verse 23, the world will know. The world will know that the God of Israel sent Jesus of Nazareth as Savior of the earth. The unbelieving masses will know the God of Israel sent Jesus of Nazareth. This passage has never been fulfilled. And it's far more than, which again, I love the Spirit of many believers are moving closer in a family dynamic and unity and honoring one another. This is fantastic, but I'm talking about a unity that reflects how the Father and Son interact. It's like, I can't even picture what that looks like. But it's going to be the release of glory. Acts chapter 4, they had a moment of it. They had a moment of it. And I'm not saying Acts 4 is the only moment, but they didn't have very many moments of it but Jesus gave a taste of it, a down payment. Verse 32 of Acts 4. There were 5,000 brand new believers that came into the kingdom that very time. 5,000. They haven't gone to the next steps class. They haven't gone to the new believers class. They don't know anything of what's going on. They haven't gone through inner healing, nothing. They're a couple days old, or that day, or a few days, or, you know, because the 5,000 come right then. The spirit of power, read it in Acts 4, with great power, God is giving witness through the apostles to the resurrection and the people. We're talking about brand new believers with all their baggage. How many of you know a brand new believer isn't free of everything three hours or three days after they're saved? They're walking one heart and one mind. Great grace is on them. Great power and great grace. That's the phrases. Those are the two phrases. I tie those to Jesus' prayer. Father, the glory that you gave me, I'm going to release it on them. And it's going to bring them into a family dynamic. Again, it didn't last real long, but it was a down payment. And in the face of Great resistance. In the face of entrapments, I mean, where the hostile players come and they set up to trick and trap, to take your money, to put you in prison, to get you to say something. They're scheming to make it happen. In the face of all of that, Holy Spirit says, remember what, my, what Jesus prayed. It's going to happen. they are going to be one. Remember what John saw. It's going to be a mature bride. Remember what Jesus prayed. The world will know there will be a billion soul harvest. It is going to happen. Even in the midst of a betrayal culture in the church, there's going to be millions, even hundreds of millions moving in the other direction. Paragraph D. David gave what I consider to be one of the most clear and important end time prophecies Describing what's happening today, literally today. I've done a bit of study, as most of you know, on on the chapters of the end times, and there is no chapter of the 150 chapters we talk about that is more clear about what the Spirit's doing right now than Psalm 2. I mean, those other chapters are very important, and there's pieces of and and truths that are become that we can see happening. David prophesied of a time when the kings of the earth would come into some kind of cooperation together to stand against the God of Israel and Jesus and the word of God. This never happened in history. I mean, there's always a few kings that got together that would go into battle against, you know, a nation that they were carrying the Christian flags back in the Crusades or back in those days, a little bit. But we're talking about something far bigger than this. This is yet future, its fulfillment. It's had partial fulfillment for 2,000 years. A little here, a little there, but nothing like what's coming. Let's read it. Psalm 2. We're just going to read the first part of it. David asked the question, why are the nations raging? Now, I want you to catch the word rage. The, qu- the nations are not going to be happy resisting only. They will come to a full-pitch rage. Against the God of Israel, against Jesus, and against the Word of God. A rage. Not just, we don't really like them way beyond that. That's where it is right now. Like, we think those Christians are just way off. It's going to go into a whole other dimension. David said, I want to assure you this. What they're plotting is vain. It won't last long. There will be a temporary momentum and an apparent success, but it will all cave in. Look what it says, the kings of the earth and the rulers. Now, the rulers aren't just another term for the kings. The rulers are the rulers of the culture of society, military, economic, all kinds of rulers, educational, sports, media. Here's what they're saying, verse 3. They're actually, let me interpret verse 3, and then when you read it, you'll They're saying, let's drive the influence of the word of God entirely out of the culture. Look at verse three. Here's what they say Let's break God's bonds. They see the word of God as bondage. They see the word of God as old, archaic, old fashioned, out of date, religious oppression. It's bondage. Let's take God's bonds, let's take his chains or cords. The word of God liberates, but they see it as the word of God oppressing. Let's break them. Let's shatter the sense of the truth of the word of God. Let's drive it out of the culture, the kings and the rulers of society. Paragraph two, this unholy agenda is right now accelerating in the nations. I mean, the last two, three, four, five years, but I mean, it's really going to pick up. 2021, 2022, not just in America, but but across the earth. There are some nations, uh, you know, holding it back. Many nations are moving in towards this. They want to move God's moral boundary lines from society, including the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of sexuality. They're raging against the idea that the Scripture is the final authority for faith and practice for God's people. They don't like the scripture being the final authority. They don't like the truth about Jesus and one way of salvation. They don't like his plans for Israel. There's an anti-Semitism that is increasing rapidly, not just in the nations, but in the church. Paragraph E. Well, John the apostle in the book of Revelation, he comments on these very kings. And again, these kings, there have been a few of them through history, but never collectively the kings of the earth. And John lets us see the rage. The angel appears to John, John in Revelation 17. says, I'm going to show you the judgment of the great harlot. There's going to be a religious system in reality. I don't think it's just a religion. Just it's more than that. But it's going to have a religious and economic dimension to it, and it's going to be a system of sorts. It's called the great harlot. They're going to prostitute the truths of the word of God. They're going to promote immorality, not just sexual immorality, but immorality, even spiritual, the sense that God is not true at all. And they're going to capture the heart of the kings of the earth, and the merchants of the earth are joining in as well, just like David said in Psalm 2. Well, they're going to become drunk with the dogma. They're going to be drunk with the narrative of the heart of Babylon. Meaning they're going to be intoxicated with it. They're going to be frenzied and intoxicated with this idea that the God of Israel and his son, the Lord Jesus, the Lord of God, is oppression. Break it off, society. Get rid of it. Verse 6, I want you to see this. There's coming a time... Or the kings of the earth and the merchants, this is Psalm 2, the passage we just looked at, but now we're looking at the other rendition of it. They're going to be drunk with the blood of the saints. They're going to be drunk with the blood of the martyrs, which is the same thing as the saints. There's going to be a billion soul plus harvest coming in. Great power. I don't believe the majority. I don't believe, you know, it's 51% will be killed, but... There will be a wholesale rage against the body of Christ. The kings and the merchants, man, they're, they're flowing together. They got one common enemy because the enemy, the body of Christ, is prophesying that what they're doing is of the devil and it's immoral in God's sight. And they're going like, how dare you? How dare? They will do it. All extreme measures to silence that voice and they will be drunk with the blood of the saints. That means... They're intoxicated. The more they kill, the more bloodlust they have to kill more. Well, this rage is raising up right now, and I I believe that we're going to see that there's people in this room that are going to actually see this in their lifetime, the fullness of it. I believe it's game on. It's not just, well, maybe in 50 or 100 years this will happen. This thing is gonna pick up strong in the 2020s. Top of page two. Well, I'm gonna go back to how I started. Yes, dramatic change is coming, but I'm telling you the church is gonna be transformed to a bride, unified, fearless, even in the face of death in prison, fearless. They're gonna love Jesus more than they love their own life. It will infuriate the opposition, the hostility of the kings of the earth. Let's, let's zero in to our little world here. The Lord spoke some years ago, and I won't go through it. Most of you know this. Some of you, this is a new thought, but the Lord spoke in a dramatic way. He said, I'm, I'm gonna give a grand view of the kingdom to many nations from grand view. Not only grand view. Guy says, I live in Belton, am I in? Yes, you're in. It's, it's, But it's going to do something in Grandview. This was spoken way back in the 70s. I am absolutely confident there's a mature expression of Christianity coming out from all the nations. But we're going to see it with our eyes. And it's going to be absolutely worth it. But this dramatic change, this transformative change, the vehicle of that change is intensified pressure and an increase of Holy Spirit activity. So it's the negative pressure and the positive increase of the spirit together and that crucible, that fiery furnace, but out comes this transformed body of Christ in the billion soul harvest. I have paragraph A. The escalating pressures and changes in that hour will create the need for creative solutions and structures. I believe we're in an hour, and maybe we should have started it earlier. I'm talking, about we, I'm, I'm talking about different men and women I'm interacting with around the body of Christ. There's this, this last year, this COVID year, incredible energy to find creative solutions for the way forward. Ways forward, how we meet, how we relate, how we worship, how we train, how we mobilize, how we structure ourselves, how we do finances. Ways that we've never thought of before. Somebody said that, necessity is the mother of invention when there's pressure ideas come in the natural but the holy spirit says well it's way bigger than that i've got creative solutions and i'll give them to you step by step whisper by whisper not just this group or that group but around the earth even in your interaction one will have a piece and the other group will have the other piece and it'll be different in every place but every place will have a piece of wisdom for the other place though the applications will be different everywhere Look what it says in Psalm 27, verse 4. This is a, a verse the Lord spoke audibly in 1983 about this community, Psalm 84. I mean, Psalm 24. You got it. 27:4. <clears throat> this one thing I will do all the days of my life, gaze on his beauty, behold his beauty. That's the part we have really locked into. But that's not the whole Verse to inquire, to receive creative wisdom, because the resistance is hostile. The resistance is like no other time in history. The number of kings, the number of resources, the number of media support, millions, billions of public support behind these kings. And the Lord says, inquire. Gaze on beauty, yes. See your story and who you are in my eyes and see who I am. Because gazing on beauty is not just seeing how beautiful he is. Gazing on beauty, beholding beauty, is actually seeing the beauty narrative of your own life, interpreting your life through his leadership. Some people, when they think of beholding beauty, they're only thinking of how beautiful the stars are, the mountains are, the moons are. Then they look at, you know, the truths of Scripture, they're beautiful, and a few uh, appearances of the Lord in the Scripture, that's beautiful. And we cannot overdo that. But beholding the beauty is also about beholding the beauty narrative of your own life. Interpreting your life through that lens. David was fixated on that. He didn't just see beauty out there. He said, the beautiful plan. This is marvelous. Well, I could go on and on because we all love that we kept there. But I'm going to the next part of the verse. There's coming a time where the body of Christ will be inquiring because the resistance will be so hostile, so comprehensive, it will be everywhere. And the Lord says, I have a way around and a way through every single scheme of the enemy. Yes, there will be many martyrs. But I tell you, the moment that person is martyred, they step—well, maybe a half a second later, or maybe possibly a little bit quicker, they're in the presence of the glory of God. They're going, it was worth it, oh my, I had no idea. This is remarkable. It's the people left behind that are sad, but the guy is going... Oh, wow. You'll have no regrets. Trust me. <laughs> Answers are going to come. We're going to seek God's wisdom to navigate through hostility and pressures in a godly way. We're not looking for escapism, abdicating. We're not hunkering back in a cave. There's an inquiring spirit on the lives of those that are beholding beauty when you behold beauty, you inquire in a different way and you get different answers. The sons of Issachar, prophetic spirit on a family. And I believe there will be a prophetic spirit on the end time church. They had understanding of the times to know what the nation was supposed to do. And God is releasing a prophetic spirit. Again, he's just whispering it just in parts, but together we can go forward. Top of page two. Paragraph B, we're near the top of page two. I want to point out what I believe to be a very significant passage for this hour of history. It's a leadership passage. It's more than leadership. There's never been a time where this passage has been more needed and emphasized to the leadership of God's people than right now. In John, I mean, uh, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, I want you to know this. And a lot of believers, this is a new idea. I mean, they kind of know the verse. Everyone knows the verse, but it doesn't really connect. It's like, oh, yeah, that one verse. Yeah, I got that one. But Jesus said, I want you to know this. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You have to know that you're going out and you're going to run into wolves who want intentionally are planning to devour you. And in the context it's the kings of the earth that we're talking about here. They are intentional about devouring the sheep. So Jesus says I'm telling you two things. I want you to be wise as serpents but I want you harmless as doves. And the two the combination has to go together. I don't want you to have plans to bring harm to them. But I don't want you gullible either. And on some folks, they lock into the harmless as doves and they bypass the wisest serpents. He says in verse 17, he goes, I want you to beware. They're going to be all around you. I want you to know I'm sending you into that context. I want you to get wisdom from the Holy Spirit and be shrewd in what you're doing and understand they're out to destroy you. And there's ways you can navigate it that are godly. Jesus modeled this in his own life. He would tell stories, teaching and stories. And in the stories, he would make truth clear to the people that had a certain heart and the very same story was confusing and it made truth hidden to the other group. He was being shrewd. They asked him a question. One thing about Jesus and questions, he almost never answered the question they asked. They're always trying to entrap him. And Jesus would m- usually ask a different question. He says, no, I'm gonna take control of this conversation here. Let's get to the real issue. Or he answered a question with a question, or he answered it in a way where they could not make sense of what was going on, but he was speaking the truth. So many examples of that. Paul the apostle did the same as well. He tells us, look at 10, chapter 10, verse 17. Beware of men. Beware of them. Don't say, well, I'm just going to trust God and do what I do. He says, no, I want you To be wise as serpents. This is a very important point. And I want you to be aware they want to destroy and devour you. And I want you talking to me about it. I have plans, but I'm gonna talk in, in, uh, in partnership with you and others, and together I'm gonna usher you forward. Because they're gonna deliver you up to councils, to lawsuits. You're gonna stand before the civic courts, you're gonna stand before the church courts. They're going to trick you and entrap you. They're going to try to take your property. They're going to try to break your organization. They're going to try to tie up all your resources. They want to stop you in every way possible. Don't be naive and say, hey, well, praise the Lord. Hey, the Lord will take care of me. He says, no, I want you wise as a serpent. Paragraph C. There will be increasing legal Hostility legal hostility, where there'll be legislation they will enforce to steal your money and to put you in prison. I don't know about you, but I'm talking about people in the body of Christ. There will be social hostility. They will ridicule, undermine, try to destroy your credibility. There'll be a social hostility, but there'll be a legal one that has the, the legal system to enforce it with economic sanctions, prison sentences, and the penalty capital punishment of death. So social is more your reputation and undermining who you are in the eyes of others. The legal one can enforce it, but both of them are horrible. They will seek to entrap organizations that promote biblical values with lawsuits, seize their property, tie up their time, their resources. I mean, I look at what happened to President Trump over the last four years. The amount of entrapping and tying up and resourcing and stalling and It was incredible uh, 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 picture of how really smart people in unity with hostility can get in the way of somebody who's got a lot of clout and influence and stop him, stop him, stop him, block him, stop him. It's gonna be far more intense to the body of Christ before the Lord returns. I just looked at that, and I mean, I pray for him. I pray for God to give mercy for all of them. But I go, man, that was just a snapshot of a small version of what's going to happen when they bring them to councils. The Lord says, be wise as a serpent. I want you to foresee the hostility and the traps. Know they're coming. Take preventive actions knowing that they're coming and they're going to put you in the courts before the councils. I've been encouraging people I talk to lots of, I do a lot of Zoom calls, more than I ever imagined. Well, lots of folks are, and, and but there's new dynamic relationships happening in leaders all of the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ. I don't mean just leaders, but that's the world I'm living in. I've been talking to different ones, and I'm saying, find one or two of your people. Pick the number you want. If you've got a thousand-member church, maybe a few more. If you've got a hundred-member church, I don't know, who are going to, be the designated targets who are going to say these things that have to be said in these cultural wars. And they will be a target of these kings and these civil courts. Not everybody on the team has to be that. Everyone on the team, we can have different positions on the team. I said, let's be a step ahead of the enemy because the enemy wants to seize your property. The enemy wants to tie up your organizations in courts. The enemy wants a story, a story, a story to stop you. I said, get a couple designated targets. That's kind of a bad way to say it. (laughs) Targets of the enemies. Don't make it your whole team. Everybody stand together in unity as a spiritual family. But don't put them in a place in the organization Where the hostile ones have access to the property and to tie up the organization with lawsuits and all these kinds of things. I've been talking to several different groups saying the next two or three years do that. They're all together, but not everybody has to take the same stand that everyone's taken, but in their heart, they're all together. Be wise as serpents, don't be gullible. Don't imagine you're going to pray and it's just going to bypass you. Jesus said, beware of men. I'm sending them a sheep. I'm sending you a sheep in the midst of wolves. Paragraph D. What I'm wanting to do is, I'm not going to preach a lot about this kind of stuff right now, but I'm wanting to stir it up. And again, on Zoom calls, I'm saying these kinds of things. I have more questions, way more questions, than I have answers, but I think that's good because I wasn't asking these questions three years ago. The very inquiring is the sign the grace of God is waking up people. I wasn't asking these questions three or four years ago. I have been maybe for some months, six months, 12 months, knowing, watching where things were going. I don't have many answers. But I can tell you this, a lot of leaders in the body of Christ are now inquiring of these kinds of things. In terms of our own spiritual family, I don't see anything dramatic happening at all. But starting conversations, I have seven areas here. There's probably 15 areas. My point isn't to give them all. My point is to say, oh, there's a bunch of conversations in the body of Christ We gotta find ways around the enemy's schemes to stop us, to entrap us, and to imprison us. We're not afraid of the enemy. But Jesus said, be wise as serpents, and there's no more hostile hour than the one that we're approaching. That passage in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 is absolutely essential. So again, I don't, there's no big dramatic things to do right now, but the next two, three, four, five years. There's going to be more. We're going to discover it locally. We're going to discover it with other ministries in town and other ministries across the nation and nations. But I believe it's time to be intentional about the inquiring and the conversations. Number one, how are we going to steward great growth? Well, I know that there's coming a day we're going to have 5,000 overnight that's actually a pretty small number we think of the billions of the earth but it's going to be overwhelming to us but there's going to be a billion plus souls coming to the kingdom here's my point the hostile kings and rulers are going to try to block that from happening they don't want the stadium events they don't want the new believers to gather together i mean there's COVID and there's going to be more COVIDs, some man-made, some devil-made, some other way made. There's going to be more reasons to shut down communities. This isn't the first and the only one. The enemy doesn't want the multitudes gathering. He wants the nets to break. The glory of God hits. He doesn't want there to be follow-through and then brought into community. He's going to block it in every way. The Lord says, talk to me. I've got ways around what they're going to block. Inquire of me. Go talk to the underground church in China. They found ways where 100 million people came to the Lord in the last 30, 40 years. Some big number like that. Training strategies. They're going to set it up to where they won't let you say various truths. Many truths. They will forbid them and make them illegal. We still got to say them. They're going to block you saying them on the internet. The Lord says, I got ways. I talked to a a real successful man involved in technology the other day. He goes, there are, he, he wasn't bragging about himself, but he goes, there are platforms being developed right now where you're not going to need Google or Facebook or those other ones. There's new platforms that are superior. And he goes, I'm working on one, but a few other groups are too. And we're at the beginning of it. God is giving his people insight. So a couple of those big tech companies think this is it. No, there's turns and twists coming. We're gonna know how to teach. It's not gonna just be in a classroom, everybody come, and everybody's just, you know, with surveillance state and AI and technology, facial recognition, everybody's tracked, social credit scores. How are we gonna get people together? The Lord says, I got a way. I really do have a way. How are we gonna mobilize ministry? I mean, I love it in our last months or whatever, you know, we had the drive-through prayer. Somebody came up with it. People would come pray, and they pray on the car, and the guy gets healed in the car. You got, Dan, you got healed in the car, didn't you, in the drive-through? For six, days. For six four, six days? six days? Of what? Healing? And then what happened? No pain. no pain. You just drove up, and they laid hands on your car. I mean, that's a crazy idea. Drive into an empty parking lot and lay hands on a car. Sounds like something Kirk Bennett thought of or something. Like, what? <laughs> there are a thousand creative things we have never thought of because we've never had to ask. Anyway, I'm just giving a sentence on each of these. This is kind of almost... Again, there's probably 20 more areas besides this. Effective communication. We're going to do it with the internet, without the internet. Do it in small groups. Oh, there's so many uh, ways of wisdom in communication. Just know this. The enemy wants to entrap you in communication. You know, the big announcement came out to the whole real estate. 1.4 million realtors a couple of weeks ago. And they're saying, I mean, you got to be a part of this organization or you can't have a real estate license. If we see on your social media that you say this in your personal social media, then these are the penalties, even the possibility of losing your license, therefore your job and your home and all these other things. This is going to touch the medical community, the academic community, all kinds of communities. How are we going to communicate? There's going to be people planted There's probably plants in this meeting right now. Just assume every meeting you have, someone's going to be recording it in order to entrap you. I'm talking to our leadership team about new ways to do Q&As and small groups with trusted friendships instead of open forums. The underground church, they found out ways. There's new platforms being developed. We got to learn how to talk to each other in creative ways and how not to talk to others and all kinds of, there's so much wisdom in this area. The Lord says, inquire much more than I'm imagining now, creative ways to do it and wise ways to hinder it, I mean to restrain it. Connecting relationally. There is no greater calling, I believe, on the body of Christ. This is the one being one as the Father and the Son are are one that we love our enemies, even those people coming against us. The friends that betray us or the old relationships or the former relationships as well as the strangers attacking us, Jesus says, bless them, do good to them, pray. Verse 45, that's the key. You will be like your father. That's the end time transformation of the church. You will be like your father. I can't fathom anything more dynamic than that. It's the way we're going to talk. And, of course, everyone's been saying this, but I can't resist slipping in sometime. Anyway, I don't really have to say, but I'm going to. You don't have to give your opinion just because somebody asked you for it. No, the body of Christ needs to, wise is a serpent, but also harmless. Not just wise and shrewd in, that, in a godly sense, shrewd, because there's an evil way to do it, but harmless too. Guy says, well, they asked me. So, give your opinions sparingly. Don't give your opinions so you can tell everybody how much you know and how bold you are. There's a bigger story than how much you know and how bold you are. I'm not afraid of man. Here's what I'll say. Oh, brother, you really said it. Like, stop. There's a narrative. There's a God narrative we want to enter into. Yes, sparingly talk about issues, but with redemptive, a, a redemptive purpose. Never talk about people unless it's an affirming way in those public settings. Talk about issues if it's, if it's redemptive, not just because they asked you, is it helping anybody move forward in God? Well, no, I just want everybody to know I knew that. Like, stop. Anyway, everyone's saying that all the time, but I just slipped that in there anyway. Come here to the end here. Corporate organizational titles. I mentioned this earlier. I believe, you know, you got to have, if you're a, in America today and like us, we are a missions organization, IHOP is, and then we're a spiritual family, our church is, you got to have corporate titles. You have to because you got to have, there's tax benefits, there's loans from banks, there's auditors, there's insurance, governmental compliances, housing allowance, IRS regulations. you got to have some corporate titles and some, some policies and a lot of those things. you got to have some of that. But we're in a time of hour where I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting us. I don't mean just us here. I'm talking about lots of ministries are in this conversation. A beginning to slowly migrating to new testament terminology new testament principles new testament realities and i don't think it has to be one or the other but i believe there's a s- slow migration in the next three four five years we're going to see more and more of that happen we think in terms of apostolic teams serving with elders and deacons local families and then translocal with one another joining together people that's different than corporate titles I want us to make some baby steps in that direction in the next couple years. I want to establish a leadership culture, paragraph C, that serves by spiritual influence more than legal positions. Again, we need some of those legal positions. For some time, I've been talking about this for maybe the last year or two, I don't know, Been thinking out loud about it, having conversations, because it's biblical to do that, because we're, our IHOP organization is a corporate organization, all with corporate titles. And people have asked, and I thought, you know, one of these days we got to move on and not get rid of them all, but not only have them. we got to do it a little differently. But our properties, like every other ministry, our organizations, we can be entrapped and tied into and all kinds of things by hostile people that mean harm. They come to entrap. So it seems foolish to me to have those target people who are going to be saying these things boldly to be the people that can give access to enemies to your property and your organizations and to stall you and completely tie up all your resources and your time. So I've been talking to our leadership team. I said, I'm at the time of my life where I want to take the Psalm 2 Stigma topics, I want to increase them dramatically. Some of you will understand this. The Isaiah 19 about Israel and Islam, I want to start being bolder. But I don't want our entire organization brought into, into some kind of liability because of that. So I came to our leadership team. I said, I, want to, I don't want a corporate title. I just want to be me, Mike. Mike. What's your title? I'm Mike. I don't need a title. Someone says, well, but what's your, what, where are you on the org chart? I don't care. I, I'm a voice. I want to be a voice. If I talk and angels, demons, and your heart moves, it works. If I talk and nothing moves, give me every title in the world. and It doesn't matter. But I want to, I'm 65, and I want to enter into a bit of my calling as a messenger, and I don't want everybody else answering for it in lawsuits. I know I'm a target guy. I've known that for years. That's just how it is. I'll get paid well when I stand before him. And a bunch of us are, but I'm saying let's just, let's just have a, every year or two we'll move a little bit more that direction, maybe faster, maybe slower. I talked to Daniel Lim. I said, Daniel, pray about doing that. He looked at me. He said, okay. I said, Daniel, our calling, we have a calling to Chinese believers as one of our primary places of influence in the earth. They're our best friends. We got some other best friends, but I mean, the believers in China, I mean, the Chinese came. I said, and our most hostile enemies are not the Chinese body of Christ, but the Chinese communist. I was listening to one of the news stations, although you don't can't tell what's true anymore, but they said there's two million Chinese communist card-carrying Chinese in America infiltrated in organizations. Two million Chinese communist card carrying. I said, that's a, a hostility. I said, you're our main face. He speaks six English, six languages. Could you imagine speaking Mandarin, Cantonese, and all those other ones? I said, you're our main face, and China's turning up the hostility. I said, why don't you just be Daniel? Daniel Lim's one of the best leaders, one of the most godly men I've ever met. Excellent leader. So you can just still talk. You can still talk and influence. And I've talked to a few of our other leaders. I go, in a year or two, I think maybe you need to do that, too. Just have your name and give your title to somebody else. Or don't use it or whatever. Do what you want to do. I don't care. We talked about this, and Daniel and I some time ago, I don't know, some weeks or months ago, time has gone by so fast the last six months, I can't tell when, and we were thinking about, you know, really stirring up this conversation next year sometime, like maybe in the summer, and doing something with it and, but the Biden presidency which seems like it is and the okay let's, let's, let's back, whoa, back you don't have to tell your opinion just because someone asked you okay really we gotta go there for real we do for real we do speak redemptively and helpfully in a way that's helpful I'm not commenting on that cuz I didn't hear what anybody said. I got something in my ear here so I just heard blah blah blah. blah, blah. I just assume one or two of you said something weird. <laughs> I mean a group this big surely was somebody, they did. But anyway, back to the thing. here. I, but the Biden thing, the the religious liberties, they are going to If it lands, and I don't know if it will or won't, but it's looking that way. If it does land, the religious liberty and the Psalm 2 hostility is going to explode this year. And I said, Daniel and I got together, our team. I go, let's move quicker. Let's not wait for a year. Or the summer or whatever, the spring, fall, whatever. He said, okay, I'm in. I go, you're still on the team. still do everything you do. It doesn't change anything with anybody. I'm not saying this is a hotshot statement because some of you might, it might sound bad, but I've been at IHOP because I'm older and our children are out of our home. I've been at IHOP 12 hours a day, six days a week for 21 years. That's typically what I do. I'm 12 hours a day in the prayer room, in a side room, in a boardroom, in a classroom. 12 hours a day, six days a week, 21 years. It's in my heart to be at IHOP 12 hours a day, six days a week for 21 more years. My point is, I am fully in my heart loving. I just want to get in the battle, and I want to be wise as a serpent. I don't want to give any advantage to the wolves that are looking for ways to harm us. Last two minutes here. I know we're late. I just, most of you know, and so this isn't like everybody clap because I've had five claps for this, so I don't need to clap on this, but I just finished the 90 Wednesdays where we did the 150 chapters for three years. Did all 90, 150 chapters in 90 weeks. It was an incredible investment of time and energy, and I got like a six or 10 page handout on every single one of them, verse by verse, all those chapters, and then the transcriptions. Altogether, so all 90, pa- all 90 weeks, I probably have a 30-page document for each of those 90 weeks. So about 2,500 pages. My point is, I got two points to make, three points. Point number one, I discovered in this last three years how little I know about the end times and how much more there is to know. I am overwhelmed at what I don't know compared to three years ago. Three years ago, I would have said, I'll scale one to 10. I probably know a three. Now, compared to all that's out there, I know about a 0.5. I'm going, there's so much gold. Oh, my goodness. I now am so aware of what I don't know. But I'm hungry as can be. It is gold. I don't mean you're all supposed to go spend, you know, the next years devout, tearing every one of those verses and passages down. But I know I am. I've got enough knowledge to make me ravenously hungry to go deeper in this. And I'm aware now that I know how much more there is, how much this information has been neglected for 2000 years of church history. I've studied the best commentaries, not maybe all the best, but many of them, and the absence of comments on main verses by the top commentaries of history. I go, there's been a dearth. There's been an absence. And the Lord's saying, that's all good. I'm going to raise up, I'm, my prayers that God raise up a million forerunner messengers in the earth that unpack this to the billion. And the, and the millions a made up number. I don't have, know the real number. But Lord, bring a million that unpack this. And I believe the body of Christ is going to be filled with this information. But I know that's part of my calling. I want to spend my next 10, 20 years, however long, you know, I'm here, there, wherever. <laughs> I mean, here, there meaning here or heaven. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going out there anywhere. That's not what I mean. I want to give my strength to this. So I know that in the days to come, I'm not, I have been uh, preaching for many years. Matter of fact, this February, just for fun, because I'm coming up to February, is I started preaching on a weekly basis, and I've been doing it every weekly, minus that one week here and there, for 49 years. I'm coming to my 49th year anniversary. February 1972, I started preaching weekly with notes. And it, right now, I'm pretty, I'm pretty embarrassed what I said. But, but my point is, and my point is, and I, I've done it that long, my point is I love pastoral preaching. Pastoral preaching is bringing the simple truths that encourage people and the everyday life of Christianity. I love it, I've been doing it for 49 years. I love it. But I'm gonna f- spend my next years focusing on prophetic preaching, because we have 20 people in our midst that are skilled at pastoral preaching. I love it and I value it, but I wanna give my strength to those 150 chapters, and I wanna unpack prophetic preaching. So this year was my first year of doing that. I've, I think this is my fifth Sunday. I've preached here on Sunday morning, and the 37 years before that, I probably did seven out of eight Sunday mornings, and five this year, but there's such rich pastoral preaching coming out here. I go, it ain't broke. do fix it. <laughs> this is good. I mean, I want to be here. I want to be a part. I take notes. I take notes. I listen to it back there, and I steal stuff from them, <laughs> but I want to give my strength to unpacking those 150 chapters and sing it across the earth, but very a lot of it's going to be real stigma stuff. It's stuff that's not popular at all. But I'm excited. So Diane and I were going on vacation in about a week, or it's Wednesday, whatever, 10 days, right after the GBF. At the, we're leaving that Wednesday in the middle of the day of the GBF, and I'm going to take those 2,500 pages, those 90 sessions times 30, 2,500 pages. I got her full blessing. She's going to help me. And I'm going to go through them fast, not real slow. And I'm going to locate. I just want to tell you this because I'm excited by it. And I just want you a little bit jealous. I'm going to locate the hundred, that's a made up number, different specific activities in Jesus's end time leadership plan from those 150 chapters. Because I got them all there in in the 2,500 pages. But I haven't located them. I'm going to locate. I'm going to go just comb through them. And I'm going to find those 100 to maybe 110 different, like, like every eye will see him. There's three passages that say that directly, where it says that God will blow a trumpet. There's five passages that say that. I'm going to get all 100 of those categories. And again, it's, that's not the real number. That's the made-up number. But it's a number like that. I'm going to get every verse that says it directly then I'm going to take a step back and see what the Spirit emphasized in the Word of God in those 150 chapters, because I don't know yet. I haven't seen it all together. Then I'm going to give it to a whole team of people here and say, now, challenge it, twist it, turn it, show me where this verse should be there and that should be there, show me where I missed it, and then we're going to you know, get it stronger, take about a year to do that. Then we want to take that information and throw it to the earth. And tell people, make three-minute videos, make videos for kids, make videos for businessmen, make teachings, interactions, a thousand different ways, present it in little sound bites. Because my stuff is going to be concentrated, meaning real thick, long, you know, handouts with no space and no color and no pictures. I like stuff like that, but most people go, that's horrible. Give me something easier. I want to throw this information to just scores of young people and say it's all yours. Our copyrights the right to copy. Run with it and put it in sound bites and color and make it beautiful and it's yours and fill your nation with the knowledge of this storyline. So I'm excited. So three weeks, can I get through 2,500 pages in three weeks? Well, the lady, we always go to a condo in Florida, and the lady called and said you know what because of this and that you can because we uh, pay for it she goes i'm gonna give you another week or so for free if you want to stay there and diane said i just heard myself say yes (laughs) but so we're gonna go just a little bit longer although i'll come back for gbf because i made a commitment to the lord i'd never miss a gbf if i had the chance i'm coming back for gbf february then i'm gonna take off for another week But I hope to come back with all those 2,500 pages ready to, ooh, I can't wait to take a year to tease it out. And then take the next 10 years and throw it to the earth. Well, let's stand before the Lord. I know I covered a whole lot of stuff here. There's a messaging mandate on this house. That messaging has got stigma. we got to be wise with how we do it, who does it, at what timing. we got to be aware there are wolves that Jesus said, be wise. They're coming against you. And some of us will suffer great loss in it. But it will be worth it. It will be worth it. And so, Lord, we're saying as a community, we want to do this. We want to follow you. We want to see the grand view of the kingdom in grand view in our day. We want to see something in Grandview and in the whole area, the whole Kansas City area. All the different hundred thousand different congregations. Lord, we want to see something that's a grand view of your kingdom. And Lord, I ask you that as we inquire of you in these next three, four, five years, and then the five and ten years after that, give us more hints of how we can do new things and new expressions that the enemy can't stop or entrap or imprison. We get around and we make it and, and it, and it goes. Show us more, together with other ministries all around the earth. Lord, we're in the conversation with you and with one another. and we ask you to bless that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I asked them to play this song because I was so touched when they sang the song. When I was writing this in the prayer room, it was so moving to me that I just want us to end with an I love you, Jesus. It's worth it. I want to end with that. I love this song. Oh, by the way, I said I won't be doing much pastoral preaching on Sunday, but I'll be doing the Friday nights, the Wednesday nights, and a whole bunch of stuff on the internet. We're getting a whole lot of different ideas of how to capture it on film, so if you want to track with what I'm doing, there'll be Friday night and Wednesday nights, typically, This next few months will be a little weird, but not exactly that. But I'm talking about long-term, and lots of it, I'll be doing it on the internet. Number of different episodes and programs, and because I want to throw it out to the wind. And that's the best way to do it.